It is another week here on the Matt Berry Show on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. Hope everyone's having a good ending to their summer. And I say ending, I know August still has to go. Relax, I'm not wishing away summer. But as we talked about last week with Dan Mullen, our guest today, that when media days start, Coach, it's really the start of the end and the beginning of the college football season and summer. I think that made sense, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Absolutely. <clears throat> summer ends in for football people. Summer is long gone. I mean, you know, what? what's funny for me is I guess since freshman year in high school, summer ended August 1st, like, you know, pretty much every year of my life until last year, I got to actually not coaching, uh, waiting to see what we're doing with ESPN, what's going on on TV. I got to realize that there actually is life in August outside of football. Um, it's a crazy deal. But for football people, August 1st is the end of summer. I mean, it's over. Practice. My son's training camp started for their high school team. Everybody's going. If you're in football, you're back at it. Summer's long over. And that's what we we, we have fun with it. But that really is the case because, you know, we're in football in a much different way than you had been your whole life, but at ESPN, I'm knee deep in college football, as are you. And so our body clock, like people sometimes don't understand. And it's been this way my entire career, even through my local TV stops. I was in Wisconsin, which revolved around Wisconsin Badgers. I was in Oklahoma, which was all Oklahoma Sooners. Then I was in Columbia, South Carolina with Spurrier. And that, so my body clock is the same. It's like August kiss everybody goodbye my wife's a football widow and this is this is when it all begins it is I, I think the one night the one nice thing I've noticed for us in on the TV side of things is you have the buildup right you have that couple of weeks before the game one where you're kind of antsy for kind of the start which for us is now right right when you're coaching, that was like July 10th, you know, like my wife would see like the game face, like, Hey, you know, Hey, we still have another week of summer and your game face is starting to change. So I'm like, well, the prep work's getting ready to go. The, the, you know, the mindset, it starts to shift, but it does. I, I think the excitement, the, the, the excitement of football season and the buildup is what, I mean, it gets everybody fired up. They cannot wait because the stories are coming up. What's going on in training camp? NFL yeah. starting to report. College football is going to start reporting. What's going on in training? Who's going to win the quarterback battle? Who's going to do this? Hey, there's a fan. Everybody has their fan day. So we got to get up and get one extra day of tailgating in, you know, and, and uh, uh, everybody's ready to go. Yeah. And it's funny you bring up the, the coaching game face because I, I would imagine being a coach's wife is one of the hardest jobs in the world because you could, you could wake up happy Dan Mullen, cup of coffee at the lake, having a great time. And this is, you know, late June, early July. I could see where there's one day where you're not smiling, having the cup of coffee at the end of the summer, you literally go get your coffee and you go right to your office to start working. And then Megan's going to sit there and be like, Oh, it's over. He's, a, he's coaching again. <laughs> hey, I will say this. She did tell like the, the fortunate thing, marrying somebody from the TV world is she always told me, she said, I never thought there was a more messed up profession than television until I met you and married into coaching. She said, I, you know, it is because, it, you know, if you think and, and in the TV world, think people don't understand. I mean, you go on all the different holidays. What are you doing on Thanksgiving Day? Most people get up, 
family deal. They go play a family football game. They sit down, they cut the turkey, they're enjoying and they're watching football. And we're doing the game. We're covering the game. We're in studio. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so all of a sudden it is people like, look, and and what, hey, what are you doing on weekends? We're doing college football final for you to enjoy and to watch. So it, it is, I think TV is such a different kind of profession from people that work Monday to Friday or right. have, you know, I don't know that anybody has traditional jobs anymore as traditionally old nine to five, but you know, I mean, people work and then enjoy the sports and in coaching you're out there just your whole life, just absorb doing it 24, seven, 365. And in TV, you're doing a lot of the same things. You don't work normal. You entertain people on their time off. Yeah. And you're, you're so right. And I got lucky as well. My wife, we actually met in local TV at the same station. She was a news anchor and reporter. So she gets the craziness of what the TV schedule is all about. Even leading up to coming to ESPN, I've been there now for 10 and a half years. The five years prior, we were in Dallas. And so every Thanksgiving, what happens on Thanksgiving in Dallas? The Cowboys play every year. So it's been a crazy schedule, but the schedule moves on, as do we. Is Last week, the Pac-12 Media Days took place in Las Vegas. And Pac-12 has not had a playoff representative in a long time. Yeah, Dan, I look at this league. I look at the Pac-12, and I think that there are four teams that have playoff potential in a conference that I believe top to bottom is is deep in terms of the best team and the in the least team when you look at Oregon, Washington, USC, and Utah. I think all four of those teams, unless the conference goes dog eat dog, they have a legitimate opportunity to represent the league in the playoff. I, I think absolutely. I don't know if there's a league I'm more excited about watching this year than the Pac-12. And that hasn't happened in a long time. And unfortunately, It's the last chance we're going to get to see a lot of these matchups with USC and UCLA leaving the league. And, and, and and unfortunately one of the reasons we're leaving the league is, is I hope we get to see a lot of these matchups on TV. You just mentioned those four teams and and here's the great thing. They all four have quarterbacks. They all four have veteran quarterbacks, experienced quarterbacks that know how to win. They have the, the reigning Heisman trophy winner. Yep. And when you look at the schedule, they all four play each other. You're going to get every one of those matchups of them, of all of those teams. And it doesn't happen every year. Somehow the schedule's laid out this year. They all play each other. They are going to get to round robin. And they could, the, the most unfortunate thing for them in the playoffs, they could have some of the best teams in the country. They could start knocking each other off because you also forgot about UCLA is going to be transforming, but Chip Kelly can come in and, and you know, their style of offense, yeah. the high-powered, the up-tempo, they can come and knock anybody off on any given day. And Oregon State, who yeah. returns offensive linemen, who returns running backs, DJ Uyangale transferred in, they play defense and can run the ball. And, you know, I, you know, in the college football world, when you say, hey, where do you want to go? Let's go line up and let's rush up to Corvallis to go play a game. Right. You know, on a, on a rainy Saturday night. Uh, and they have the recipe of, of power run football and defense that can cause problems. I, I think it is going to be the most exciting league with with offense, quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks that can win great teams 
and everybody's playing each other. this year. You know, and I, I grew up out there. I grew up in Scottsdale, obviously went to Arizona state. You see the helmets up here. And so I grew up in this conference and for me, it was always about growing up. It was a USC league. Yep. It always has been. Washington was always another team that would contend for Pac-12 titles. And even back back in the day under Don James, Steve Atman, and those guys, they were playing for national titles. It was always a USC league. UCLA was really good coming up, Cade McNown in, in that era. But it seems to me, and this is the one thing I, I don't like, and I stick up for the conference all the time. When Southern football exploded nationally, and I say that because, Dan, you know this, back in the day, college football was Miami, it was Nebraska, it was Notre Dame, and it was USC. That was it. Yeah. But when Southern football exploded and the SEC just took into this national behemoth, it was almost as if we as a college football consciousness forgot how much good football is played out West. I mean, listen to this right now. Bo Nix, you just mentioned him. The, the yeah, quarterback's yeah. coming back. Michael Penix <laughs> Jr., Caleb Williams. You know, it seems as if some of these guys, Cam Rising at Utah, DJ, I mean, this is a league that I think deserves the same amount of attention, if not for the time zone. It, it does. And, and you said it. I mean, Michael Penix, to watch that Washington offense, and he has 2,000-yard receivers coming Bo Nix with the top running backs all coming back in that offense for them. I mean, it is Caleb Williams is, you know, college football's Patrick Mahomes. You know, yeah. I mean, he makes magic things happen out there on the field. And then Cam Rising's just your winner, right? I mean, like you, it. Watch, you watch Utah and they're going to be tough. They're going to be physical. Coach Witt on the sidelines, you know, I mean, it, it just looks like, I mean, you know, he had the beard going last, like, I mean, a Grizzly Adams coming out of the Wasatch Mountains to come coach <laughs> this team, right? Of And, you know, and their quarterback is just this tough guy that come, comes in, they play, you know, uh, it is, I can't wait to see it. I, you know, and I think the country, the benefit you and I get on, on a lot of Saturday nights is, we're doing, we're, you know, we're, we're rapping, we're watching, we're there for the, the 1030 Pac-10 game, yeah. uh, Pac-12 game, I'm sorry, of the week. And that is this year, I can't wait to see all the potential match. I mean, you, you tell me, you can't, I can't wait to see USC, Washington, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Oregon. I mean, it, it is, it's going to be week after week of top 25 matchup. It, it's going to start looking, I think this year for that league, is going to look like SEC games where they're going to have every week at least one to two top 25 teams playing each other in the league must see games of the week. You beat me to it because other than the SEC, which we know with the Georgia, Alabama's, LSU's, and everybody in between Tennessee, we know obviously that league is stacked Ole Miss, but you can't find me in other league. Like all due respect to the Big Ten, it's Michigan, Ohio State, sometimes Penn State, maybe Michigan State here and there. That's it. The ACC has been Clemson, Florida State's coming back. We hope Miami comes back. That's about it for them. The Big 12 is cyclical. We've seen Baylor get up in there. We've seen Kansas State get up in there. TCU made the playoff. But 
I can't think of another league, as you mentioned, when you go depth-wise, four legitimate top 15 teams in my estimation. Oregon State is a tough out. Even Washington State's been a tough out. UCLA is a tough out. Arizona under Jed Fish is trying to come up and get you. And then Arizona State made the hire with Kenny Dillingham. Deion Sanders at Colorado, I don't think they're going to be any good. But it, well, I mean, that's another story in excitement. Right. I mean, it is. Like, you, you see it. You mentioned it. Like, SEC, everybody – what Georgia game are you excited to see this year? Because you look at their schedule, they're not playing any of the other top dogs in the league this year. Mm-hmm. You know, you you go through this year's SEC schedule and just how it's lined up. I mean, you have the, the Florida-Georgia game will be, right, is always a great one because it's a traditional rivalry game. You're going to have the Alabama-LSU game is going to be exciting this year. But – you know, there's going to be some knockoffs and some other good games and some tough ones, but I don't think it's going to be the level of this year's Pac Pac 12 matchups. I, I there's I just I'm you go through the schedule and I can't wait to see the games. I can't wait either, and and I kind of want to dive into now uh, some transfer portal talk because the yeah. transfer portal has been such a big thing in college football over the past three years. And it really is a good jumping off point coach to get into the portal discussion with the PAC 12, because as I sit here now, I'm thinking, well, wait a second, which conference has benefited most for the transfer portal? Three of the four teams that we believe can compete for the PAC 12 championship at a playoff spot have a transfer portal quarterback. Bo Nix comes in from Auburn. He's resurrected his career. Michael Penix comes in from Indiana. He's resurrected his career. And then all Caleb Williams did was come from Oklahoma to USC, win the national or win the Heisman trophy and likely going to be the number one overall pick. So those are three transfer portal booms, not to mention Dion comes in completely flips his roster with the portal. And then Kenny Dillingham at Arizona state goes to the portal and completely flips his roster with drew pine at quarterback I can't think of a a better example of transfer portal working out in a program's favor to bring in kids who probably weren't in the best position, needed a change of scenery. They've come in the Pac-12, and now they're national headlines with every team that they play for. It is, and I think you've seen that. And and for the transfer portal, good, bad, how everybody views it, right? I mean, it it is what it is. And uh, there's a lot of positives to it. There's a lot of negatives to it. But you do see that. And I think part of it is if you've looked over the last couple of years and you go back in recruiting rankings, you've seen USC, even USC with a bunch of transfers this year, you know, two transfers, two starters from the offensive line at Florida last year are now going to be on the USC offensive line this year. That They've gone in, in but I think when you go to the, the recruiting rankings, you're always used to Back 15, 20 years ago, USC was always top three in recruiting. Yep. Right. And and that's dropped off a little bit. And, you know, now it's it's USC and Oregon have kind of been the two that make a little bit of national news in recruiting. But the portals help them. They've gone in and bought a lot of the programs have brought in, you know, really solid players within the program. And then when some of these guys or stars at other schools are not working out or not getting the playing time, it's not the feeling they thought they would have. I mean, Bo Nix came in and started as a, as a true freshman at Auburn in a pressure cooker, right? And so now doesn't work out. He gets a new life. He shows up at Oregon with other good talent around him, 
they get a great quarterback that, you know, they were never in the mix in during the recruiting process. And now he's this veteran guy that comes in with experienced leadership, ready to go. And, you know, the the Pac-12, the one thing they've always had is skill players, right? I mean, you go back in history, there's always skill players. So if you're a quarterback and you're playing at one of these schools, you're playing in the SEC with with D-line coming at you from left and right, getting smashed around, one of those deals, you say, hey, uh uh-oh, out here, there's some skill players waiting for me on a roster that's ready-made and I can step in and play right away. It's pretty exciting. And they've done it. Like, I, you know what? What people realize, and everyone looks, Colorado, Deion Sanders completely revamped, got rid of everybody, brought in all new players, Kenny Dillingham. Arizona State had more transfers, more guys out of the transfer portal than any school in the country this year. Yeah. So it, it, it is interesting. Of I, I, it, it's, it's worked out very, very well for the league. And, and as people know, when you go out there, I mean, you're going to college and you're one a college kid. I mean, you're going to some pretty nice campuses right there, right? I mean, you walk around oh. the campus in, in Westwood and that's okay. You go out to Arizona State, I'm sure, like, you know, there's no pretty sights around campus. I mean, the no, weather none. is, right? It's zero, it's, right? It, 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 yeah. it's, it's, you know, I mean, I, you go up to Oregon and I mean. Hell, if you, you go up to Palo Alto, I mean. Oh, my goodness. It, it's. So, you know, these kids come and visit and they're like, they're skilled players. This is really nice. This is not bad. They're great schools. I'm going to step on the field with some skilled players, go play and have a good time. Let's go. Yeah. And, and that's something I want to hit on. We'll hit on that throughout the season. I, I want to ID, you know, and maybe DJ Uyengale is a good place to start off when the regular season starts. I want to touch on the portal each and every week here when we get into this and see the guys that have, that have found a new home that have excelled because the transfer portal is such a huge thing in college football. Moving on now to the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten Media Days this week in Indianapolis. And there's two topics. Well, there's three topics I want to hit here. The first one, the Jim Harbaugh, he's expected to be suspended for the first four games of the season. Well, if you look at the first four games of the schedule, it's not exactly murderer's row who he's going to be missing. We're still waiting for an official ruling on that. But with Michigan, am I overreaching that they – have overtaken Ohio State, even though the Buckeyes were 11-1 and one and could have beaten Georgia in the college football playoff. Am I overstepping to think that right now, because Michigan's won the, the league the last two years, that they are now the team in the Big Ten that Ohio State now has to catch? I think so in that, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to, unfortunately, it's going to come down to the one game, right? That's I it. mean, it's going to come down to that game at the end of the year. The question is, are they both undefeated? Or are one of them going to get knocked off possibly prior to that game? You know, I mean, can 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 somebody slip up? Can a Penn State or a Michigan State maybe jump up or, or Wisconsin? I don't know, but can someone jump up on a given day to go beat them? Because it's hard to be focused every single week and you're going to have down days. But I think the fact that they have finally found the recipe to beat Ohio State multiple times consecutively now right and it it, they have the momentum and the game is in ann arbor this year i think they are the team to beat i think all the pressure going into that game the ohio state mission game in ann arbor everything is on ohio state and ryan day because if they go again i think there is it is now michigan's league it because michigan's gonna go and 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 have the chance to win 
the third straight title, third straight play, whoever, you know, the, the big 10 champs going to be in the playoffs. Correct. So it's, it's going to be their third straight playoff yeah. appearance. And even though Ohio state talent wise, um, ability wise, and on a national stage, they're as loaded. Good as anybody, as good right. as anybody, if they stub their toe against Michigan for a third year in a row, I think it's a problem and, I, and, and for them. It, it, and it's a, it, it's the, the I, there'll be a panic in Columbus. There really will be. And I, I said this with Feinbaum a month ago, the fact that Ryan Day's job would even be in question because of a game. Yeah. It, I think is absolutely absurd, but that's the game to get you to the level. Now, again, they got in the playoff regardless. I think a lot of people and moaned about that, but then they go and take Georgia. They're a missed field goal away from going for the national championship, and they probably win the national championship because they had to play TCU. And so, yeah, I mean, they're now, a receiver has staying healthy. I mean, if right. they're, 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 you know, I mean, their top player gets knocked out of the game, or they probably win the game. I mean, they pro- if he's healthy, they win that game because if you put him on the field on that final drive, that's going to be a, a that's a 15 yard field goal, not a 50 yard field goal. Right, and and look at look at what Ryan Day's done. Either as an offensive coordinator, or as a head coach, succeeding Urban Meyer. I mean, they had Dwayne Haskins, the late Dwayne Haskins. He was a first round pick. Justin Fields, he was a first round pick. C.J. Stroud, he was a first round pick. You've got Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Oh, by the way, Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably better than all of them. I mean, you could argue, Dan that Ohio State, even including Georgia and Alabama, has put the most talent on the field in the last five, six years than any program in the country. Easily, easily. It's hard to say someone's put more. It it really is. You know, I mean, Georgia defensively, Alabama always has the talent. Georgia defensively has put a lot out there. But, I mean, Ohio State has just been loaded. They keep reloading. and the, the dominance. But you know what? And, and I'm going to tell you, when you were at these jobs, I used to laugh, at, you know, when, when Urban Meyer was at Ohio State, we, right? He said, you know, I was, I was coaching at Mississippi State. He said, you know, you win eight or nine games at Mississippi State. You, you like, they think you are the greatest thing <laughs> in the world. Here at Ohio State, you got to win all of them. I said, well, the problem at Mississippi State is I got to go play the SEC West every week and I'm playing Alabama, LSU. I'm like, you essentially have to beat Michigan because you roll the ball out and win all the other games because that's, you, you, that's what they you do. He said, yeah, but that one game is all that matters. You, I have one. You, you have to pick eight of the 12 to win. He said, I have to win the one of the one. And, you know, I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. And that – that is, I'm going to tell you there in it, the, the mental side of football, and don't think this doesn't exist in that game. Ohio State's going to work for it all year. They're going to be focused on it. I guarantee you in spring, they spent spring breaking down Michigan and making sure the plan is in place. All the extra time, that game plan was kind of organized last spring of how they're going to do it, how they want to attack and play the offense and play the defense of Michigan and what's going to happen. Now they'll make the tweaks in game week, but that's all done and they will be prepped. They will be ready to go. They will be so motivated for that game, but in the back of the head, they've lost two in a row and they're on the road. And do they have the number? And the first time something goes bad, Ryan day better make sure that sidelines not looking at each other saying, 
uh-oh, here we go again. Uh-oh, uh-oh, did they actually have our number? There's that psychological edge that can jump in your head in those type of games. You know, and we we saw it, you know, the 10-year war between Bo and Woody, and then everyone was excited for Urban and Jim Harbaugh, and now it's Harbaugh and Day. I mean, this is one of those. I think it's the greatest rivalry in college football. And here's why I say that. I know Auburn, Alabama, the Iron Bowl, people love it. That's a state game. That's a game within the state of Alabama. You know, I, I, because it's two, it's two different states, it's Ohio State, it's Michigan. To me, it's the best rivalry in the sport because you have players who grew up in Ohio that went to Michigan, players that grew up in Michigan that went to Ohio, players that had chips on their shoulder because one of the other ones didn't recruit them. And there's always a Big Ten championship at stake. And back in the day, it was all about the Rose Bowl. Like yeah. this game came down the Heisman Trophy winners, Desmond Howard, Charles Woodson. I mean, these are got to me, it's the best in the sport. And I don't think it's close. Well, yeah, I because I think of every year it's been a meaningful game. I mean, you look at the the big ones of uh Oklahoma, Texas. I mean, that's always that's a great one. Big one added, but it's always at a neutral site, Florida, Georgia at the neutral site. I think those make it kind of fun. Uh, you know, USC, UCLA back in the old days used to be so special for so long. But I think the one that has stood the, the you know, the, stood the width of time, I mean, of, of is that game. You have a hard time finding many games where championship implications were not on the line every single time they played that, that game. So I, I, I think that's what makes it the biggest rivalry. Now, I mean, to individual people, there's always bigger, but I think the, how big the game is for the sport and for championship level of the league year after year throughout history, I think that makes it the biggest one. I cannot wait. We are so close coming up in future episodes here on the Matt Barry show. I'm going to get into it with coach. I want to, I want to zero in on a couple of programs. Next time I want to talk about Nebraska and the hiring of Matt rule that fit. And then Luke fickle coming over from Cincinnati to fit with Wisconsin. We'll get into all of that. Cause we've got, what is it? July 26th. We've got plenty of time. We've got a month to break down all the power <laughs> fives and the big 10. Cannot wait. Uh, coach, as always, we appreciate your time. Look forward to doing this again. Oh, we're ready for the season. Getting ready to kick off the countdown. Tick, tick, tick. It's getting closer.